We're officially 24 hours away from kickoff at Lumen Field. The Seahawks opening their season against Russell Wilson and the Broncos on Monday night football. What do the Seahawks need to do to get the season opening victory and ruin Russell Wilson's homecoming? Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it all down on our Sunday special pregame show of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Sunday special pregame edition of Locked On Seahawks, my co-host Nick Lee. Nick, Glad to have you back. I know it's been a challenging couple weeks for you and uh, all of us here at the Locked On Seahawks family, all of our listeners. Uh, we we are wishing for the best for your family. I know that it's been an extremely challenging time. Thanks, Corbin. Yeah, I've been really humbled and and uh, uplifted by the the outpouring of love and support for me and my family with my with my mom's untimely passing due to cancer. Um, so thank you so much for everybody who's reached out and it, yeah, it's been tough, but honestly, this is a time like this where sports can play a role in, um, you know, helping us pick back pieces. I just a few days ago sat with my dad and watched Thursday night football on a new TV he just bought and kind of, you know, saw some smiles on his face that, that, that have been a few and far between lately. So sports can do stuff like that. So it's truly special. And I'm hoping that, uh, the Seahawks can, uh, can put together a good game and, and, uh, you know, help help heal a little bit too just sports can can bring people together and maybe at least temporarily heal wounds so thank you so much once again for for everyone who's reached out and, and looking forward to getting back to hopefully a little bit of a normal routine and the seahawks right now are half a game ahead of the los angeles rams at least for a few days have a half game lead in the nfc west over the defending champions so a lot of good vibes going into this monday night game we're going to be devising a game plan for seahawks victory going to be dishing out our X factors for week one and, of course, making our weekly predictions. Who's going to come out with the Monday night victory all on a jam-packed Sunday episode? Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. When you're going into the season, week one, there's been a preseason, but many starters don't play in the exhibition game. So typically, this is when you're going to have the shortest injury list. But the Seahawks actually have a handful of players that are on their injury list heading into this game. Not many surprises here, Nick. Alton Robinson dealing with a PCL sprain in his knee has not been practicing. Pete Carroll said on Thursday he wasn't ready yet, so he's already been ruled out. Tyler Ott, the long snapper, also ruled out. His shoulder popped out of place at practice, according to Coach Pete Carroll. He may need surgery to fix that, so that is a big storyline that we will have to pay attention to here in coming weeks that could open up a roster spot. Carson Tinker is currently on the practice squad. He's going to get elevated to snap for this game. That is a fairly big injury going into this Monday contest, and we'll see what else we find out about Ott's situation moving forward. Artie Burns, with his groin issue being doubtful, has not been practicing for the better part of a month. Damian Lewis, Ken Walker III listed as questionable. Walker, I would still think they're probably trending towards holding him out. He hasn't done anything much really this week at practice. Boye Mafe, Sidney Jones, Ryan Neal, all were trending in the right direction with their respective injuries. Those three should be out there suited up for the Seahawks against the Broncos on Monday Night Football. 
Let's look at the players that are unlikely to play in this football game, Nick. In the backfield, Ken Walker III, rookie running back out of Michigan State, has been out for the last three weeks, missed the final two preseason games with a hernia procedure. He has done some stuff on the practice field this week, but it's looking highly unlikely he's going to be out there. And honestly, they shouldn't force the issue with the depth they have at running back. DJ Dallas and Travis Homer have really good preseasons. You've got Rashad Penny ready to go. Don't force the issue with the rookie and give him another week or two weeks even before you unleash him in the backfield. Yeah, 100%. There's absolutely no reason to rush him at all. Um, like you mentioned, Rashad Penny, RB1, who um, you know last year finished as one of the top you know, hottest running backs, if not the hottest running back in all the National Football League. So having him as as, as long as Rashad Penny is healthy, now he's he's going to be taking the, the bulk of the carries, and yeah, the, with the with the uh, the preseasons that DJ Dallas and and Travis Homer had, I think that that's a that's a a solid trio there to kind of carry the load. So you're not going to count on him to do to to or not going to count on Walker really, and don't need to. Um, I think the biggest concerns are, are at least for ones that aren't going to play. Artie Burns ha, has been sidelined for about a month or so with the groin issue. Those darn soft tissue things, those little nag, and you you don't in in it's a bummer because with with who's coming to town and, and what uh, what kind of offense the Broncos can can display, you really want some all your corners, all, all your horses in the stable, so to speak. So Artie Burns is is uh, is unlikely to play, I think, and we'll talk about Sidney Jones later as well. And two corners that you'd really like on the field. Yeah, Artie Burns not being able to play in this game, it's a bummer for Burns because he had a really good start to training camp before he injured his groin. He and DK Metcalf had some epic battles on the practice field. You can see the comfort that he has with this defense now that he's got Sean Desai as an associate head coach. He played for him as the Bears defensive coordinator a year ago, played his best football down the stretch, had a really good game against DK Metcalf in Seattle late last season. So he had all that momentum and then pulls up lame, and they tried to get him back for the preseason finale, didn't quite turn the corner, and he's still been sitting out. So Maybe there's a chance that he plays, but with him not practicing, the way this has played out the last month seems unlikely he's going to be out there. There is some good news, though, Nick. A number of players that, even though they were limited at times during the practice week, Damian Lewis, all signs are pointing towards him having a real good shot to play after what looked like might be a season-ending ankle injury in that second preseason game. He's got a really good chance to go. Jake Curhan with his elbow issue, good depth for the offensive line at right tackle in both guard spots, having him available. And Sidney Jones, they're really working slow to get him back full practicing. But Pete Carroll has reiterated time and time again this week that he is ready to go. I know he's not listed first on their depth chart. It's Mike Jackson actually across from Tariq Woolen. But I would be stunned if Sidney Jones is not starting this game, especially against Russell Wilson, a quarterback of his caliber. Yeah, like I mentioned, you want as all the horses in the stable for cornerbacks and you know, you got Russell Wilson in, in company with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy coming in there. So um, Sidney Jones would be a huge boost to the secondary, especially with how young and, and somewhat inexperienced they are. Um, and it's and this, speaking of Damian Lewis, and that's man, if you even just a few minutes, a few hours after that injury, if you would have told me he was be limited in practice with have a, having a chance to play week one, I would have maybe said you're crazy, but sign me up. You know, that's. That would have been uh, I would almost borderline miracle with how it looked. So um, that's awesome for him that he has a chance to come back so soon um, that he really truly avoided a, a, maybe a career altering injury. 
Um, so that that was that was big for him. And off, of course, with Damian Lewis on the field, you know, the, the, I think the Seahawks' best chance to win this game on Monday night, uh, tomorrow night against against the Broncos, it'll be by controlling the line of scrimmage, running the ball well, and and we'll talk about this in a minute. Um, you know, having long sustained drives and, and keeping Wilson on the sidelines and, and having a good running game. A lot of that will have to do with with the health of the offensive line, and Damian Lewis is a big part of that. They do have Phil Haynes behind him, so if they don't feel like he's quite there yet, Phil Haynes played really well in two starts late last season, plugging in at both guard spots, so they feel confident in him, but you would like to have all hands on deck playing a really good team like the Denver Broncos that stacked up favorably against the rest of the league in a lot of major defensive categories last year. This is not going to be an easy defense to move the football against. A couple other players that I think have a really good chance to play in this game, Ryan Neal's been out for most of the month of August going into September dealing with a high ankle sprain, but he's been back on the practice field, at least from a special team's capacity. It'd be nice to have him in this game against a really talented Broncos team. And Boye Mafe, if Alton Robinson's not going to be there, you need the rookie to be available as a situational pass rusher that could turn up the heat on Russell Wilson dealing with a shoulder strain, but it sounds like he is on the right track to be able to play in this game. Pete Carroll was really encouraged by the progress he made on the practice field this week. So I'd be surprised that he is not suiting up, especially given Alton Robinson's injury. Look for a lot of snaps for Boye Mafe on defense and special teams and maybe a chance to make an immediate mark for the Seahawks on defense. Another rookie with a chance to play a lot of snaps right away. Yeah, and it's nice with the Seahawks. I know I know they're not in the middle of the season where – you know, a Monday night game might be more advantageous where you have an extra day, uh, you know, on this end, you know, they have an extra day of rest, an extra day to get guys right um, for it being a Monday night game, even though it's to start the year and it's been a couple of weeks since their last preseason game. So um, the fact that they, they're start, they're playing a, a week later than most of the league, I think is advantageous in that fact where maybe one of those guys like, uh, yeah, Ryan Neal or, or Damian Lewis, a guy that might need an extra day um, or, uh, yeah, Boye Mafe. That could that could play a big role in getting them on the field, and yeah, you're going to need Boye Mafe as a as a situational pass rusher to, to make life miserable, or hopefully for Russell Wilson. But yeah, I think um, overall, I think it's generally a net positive in the in the injury news department. Yeah, and hopefully they're going to have all those players we just mentioned that are trending upward. Hopefully, all those players will be available for them in Week One. The season opener, you don't want to have very many guys sidelined by injuries because. It's only going to go downhill from here. Guys are going to get banged up. You're going to have a lot more players in the injury report week two and on. So you'd like to have that clean bill of health as you'd expect to open up the regular season. We've got a big game coming up tomorrow night. What do the Seahawks need to do to win? Bringing back our keys to victory segment. We're going to be designing a game plan on offense and defense for the Seahawks to get the home upset and send Russell Wilson back to Denver with an unhappy homecoming at Lumen Field. We're going to get to that here in a moment. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me 
to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. It's simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Sunday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for our pregame special, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We've been talking for months about this game. Russell Wilson, we found out when the schedulers, obviously they had to take advantage of this opportunity. Russell Wilson going back to Seattle after being traded away, one of the best quarterbacks in football, we have to put this on the Monday night matinee and let a primetime audience see Russell Wilson come back to the Pacific Northwest. We've been talking this game up. Now we finally get to dive into creating a game plan. There's been so much chatter about what the crowd is going to be like with Russell Wilson and how his former teammates are going to respond, how his former coaches are going to respond, the emotion in the stadium. But now it's all about the X's and O's and what the Seahawks need to do on offense and defense to beat their former quarterback and his new team and come away with a season-opening victory. Nick, let's start on the offensive side of the football. What is the number one thing in your game plan that the Seahawks have to check off if they want to pull this home upset? Well, you know, with, with Russell Wilson now being in uh, in blue and orange on the other sideline, it's back to Pete Ball. And Pete Ball is ground and pound and play good defense. And first of all, ground and pound, you know, keeping, you know, controlling the ball, running the ball well. I thought it was very interesting. The the Broncos were honestly a little bit over the all over the map as far as run defense. They're 17th last year in, in running yards and rushing yards allowed, and actually 27th in ESPN's run stop win rates um, in the NFL. But they were also tied for the league lead in least amount of rushing touchdowns allowed. So very interesting dynamic there. I think that they, they really were really good at tightening up in the red zone, perhaps. Um, but overall, there looks like, and I think they're also, um, I think it was 17th or so, or 19th in uh, rushing yards per attempt allowed. So there, there's some going to be, you know, obviously there's some nuances with this being a different year, but a lot of the similar players on defense for the for the Broncos are there. And, um, you know, there's going to be some opportunities to run the ball. And the Seahawks really are going to, that's going to be their their primary source of attack. And I, like I mentioned in the first segment, this is the this is how they're going to win the game. They're going to try to they the Seahawks need to muck it up, to run well, control the clock, have long sustained drives, keeping Russell Wilson off rhythm and off the field on the sidelines, and that's going to come with a successful running game of ground and pound. You know, staying on schedule as they say, where you know first and ten turns into second and six turns into third and two, that kind of thing, um, and, and that's going to come with a successful run game. And uh, blocking up front and, and getting and being on the attack, being on their on their toes and in attack mode on the offensive line. And Rashad Penny, you know, we, we need to see that same Rashad Penny we saw early or late last year. If that same Rashad Penny or maybe even a new and improved Rashad Penny shows up, that is going to be a huge boost and swing in the Seahawks' direction as far as advantage goes. 
Yeah, I don't think that they can go into this game and do the three yards in a cloud of dust, or in this case, a cloud of rubber coming up from the turf. I don't think they can play that style. Not 1970s football. They're still going to have to throw it. They're going to have to be effective with setting up play action and things of that nature. But I think every offensive coordinator, you can speak from high school, college, peewee league, whatever level, you're always looking, and I had an assistant I worked with for a long time that said this, and it always stuck with me. You're always looking for the rat that you can take advantage of on the field. And this is the NFL. Every one of these guys is a dynamic talent. These are the best of the best. But even the NFL, there are rats that you can exploit. And to me, the run game and the intermediate short passing game in the middle of the field can take advantage of the rats. I don't think that the Broncos have bad linebackers necessarily. Josie Jewell is a talented player. I loved how he played at Iowa. Just kind of that gritty, hard-nosed player, really high football IQ, racks up tackles. But you can take advantage of him, and he's coming off of a significant injury. Jonas Griffith is coming off of a dislocated elbow he suffered during training camp. He might not be able to play in this game. We'll see. But that is the weakest link on this defense. And so I think if you can win up front and put your running backs in advantageous situations against those linebackers, that you can get some big chunk plays in the run game. And I think you can do some damage against those linebackers with the passing game, whether it's your running backs running routes against them or getting your tight ends involved. I think that that's going to be critical because this Broncos defense last year had the fifth fewest air yards that they allowed. They do not give up big plays downfield. That whole secondary is back. And Patrick Sertan II is only going to get better in year number two. Justin Simmons is arguably the best safety in the entire NFL. Kareem Jackson's a really good player. Ronald Darby is a solid starter, and he's probably the weakest player of those four. So this is a really good secondary. They don't give up very many chunk plays in the passing game. So you're going to have to be methodical, and I think part of that's got to be attacking the short to intermediate middle of the field in the passing game. Take advantage of those linebackers with your skill players, the running back tight ends, your slots. Take advantage of that. I think that that is the key to them sustaining drives, moving the ball on third down. That, with the run game being a heavy component, gives you the best chance to have ball control and put points on the board. And some of that might be with Finnett, or sorry, with uh, Patience, because you know, with it, it you, know, you get a little itchy when all you can do is do the you know the mesh routes underneath and and kind of carve up the the linebackers a little bit, get six seven yards on a pass play. Um, and, and if you do that long enough or if you do that and, and don't really get downfield a lot, you know, you start to get a little trigger happy, but yeah, that, that secondary is maybe one of the better secondaries as a whole in the NFL. Certainly those two safeties, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, very formidable uh, safety duo. Yeah. Patrick Sertan, a, a very talented young uh, corner. They have a chance to be extremely good as, as a unit and in, in the secondary defensive backs. And uh, you know, Justin Simmons since 2020, is tied for the lead in the NFL in the interceptions by safeties with Quandre Dix. <laughs> so the two most intercepting safeties in the NFL in the last two seasons are on the field, or will be on the field Monday night. So Justin Simmons is an extremely talented safety. So yeah, you don't want to take too many chances. Don't want to put the ball in harm's way because that's another way with how, you know, we, we, we believe that, you know, the Seahawks certainly have a disadvantage. Let's be honest at the quarterback position in this game. And how one way you can lose a game real quick like this is to put the ball in harm's way over and over again because this team knows how to make 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 you pay. I think you've also got to finish drives when you have what's considered the weaker quarterback in Geno Smith going to this game. 
when you do get into the red zone, whether it's running the football, getting your tight ends involved, DK Metcalf with his size, whatever you got to do, you got to finish. And that was really hard to do against the Denver Broncos last year. You mentioned some of those rushing statistics. They only gave up nine touchdowns tied for the fewest in the NFL on the ground, even though their other run defense numbers were average to poor across the board. They really tightened things up in the red zone, 48.8% red zone rate. And that's less than half the time they gave up touchdowns. They were in the bottom five in the NFL. So they were really tight in the red zone, did not give up a lot of points. They were stingy down there. So Seattle's got to find a way. If they get inside the 20, at least get field goals. But you really need to turn at least a couple of those drives into touchdowns when you get into the red zone. Getting just three points in a game like this where you're the underdog isn't going to cut it. You got to be efficient there. You got to be efficient on third downs. Denver was actually one of the weaker defenses last year in the league on third down. So you may be able to sustain drives that way, but you get down inside the 20s, Geno Smith, Rashad Penny, whoever it is, somebody's got to step up and you got to score points. Now, let's go to the defensive side of the football now. As far as developing a game plan, when you're playing against Russell Wilson, just like Pete Carroll said on Thursday, you know, as a coach, He's never more prepared for a quarterback than he is going up against Russell Wilson because he coached him for 10 years. We've been watching Russell Wilson for 10 years. We know the strengths. We know his perceived weaknesses. And the one thing you absolutely cannot allow number three to do is destroy you with extended plays. You can't let him get out of the pocket frequently and add an extra second or two for his receivers to work open and put more stress in the secondary. They're already going to have tough matchups against the receivers with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. The Broncos have some studs on the outside with a much improved quarterback now throwing to them. You can't give him those extra precious seconds to be able to create on broken plays as he's done so masterfully for the last decade for the Seahawks. So you've got to keep him inside and you've got to be somewhat passive with your pass rush. You still, I mean, you want to be aggressive, but you don't want to get too upfield because Russell Wilson can still burn you stepping up in the pocket and taking off as a scrambler. And so you've got to find that balance. To me, that is huge because a lot of the explosive plays for the Seahawks over the years have happened on those extended plays. You let Russell Wilson do that frequently. He is going to toast your secondary, even with the improved personnel the Seahawks expect to throw out there this year. Yeah, that is a tough balance because we also know that Russell Wilson throws one of the better, if not the best deep ball in the NFL. And if you give him enough, enough times, enough chances to look downfield and, and attempt those, he's going to burn you. And, uh, you know, w- with what we've seen, you know, that those times that the Seahawks fans have yelled at the screen uh, that Russell Wilson in frustration is because he's been holding onto the ball too long, or he tries to make, you know, one more spin move out of pressure and it turns a second and eight into a, you know, third and 17. And we, we saw that a few times over the years and, and that's, you know, keeping your gap integrity, and yeah, not rushing too far upfield and giving him those lanes, but make him feel boxed in. Make him make him, you know, get a little jittery and 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 try to do too much and be the hero. Cause we know Russell Wilson loves to do that and wants to play hero ball. And unfortunately, sometimes that was to his detriment with the Seahawks. He's he tried to do a little too much. And honestly, he's not as mobile as he once was, but even he's gonna try to do it. And, and at times he still can effectively, but this certainly isn't, you know, 2012 to 2016 Russell Wilson we're talking about. So there, there is that happy medium where he's going to be, you know, more, maybe more prone to throw the ball downfield or throw it away than, than try to run it. But yeah, keeping your gaps and making him feel boxed in, don't let him get outside and, and get to those explosive plays downfield. Um, and yeah, and, and try to get those finally get to turn it around where 
you are the ones that are maybe cheering on as Russell Wilson takes a sack for, for nine yards in the backfield. Yeah, that certainly is something worth considering here is that Russell Wilson at soon to be 34 years of age, he doesn't think that his play is declining. And I don't know necessarily that across the board that his play is declining, but you're getting older, your athleticism is going to start to diminish. And we have seen that the last few years, but he's still dangerous enough. And we saw it at times last year with his ability to get outside the pocket or step up in the pocket and do damage. That's still something that you absolutely have to account for as a defense. Speaking of getting after Russell Wilson, maybe the thing I am most intrigued by that we didn't get to see in the preseason, how is Clint Hurt going to use Jamal Adams? And I think this is a statement game to pull out some of those tricks, maybe all the tricks with Jamal Adams He's always been such a good pass rusher, the best pass rushing safety out there. And last year, he was so predictable. Offenses knew when he was coming, and Ken Norton Jr. did not do a good enough job mixing looks up. But the Seahawks, I expect, are going to play Adams as a second linebacker in sub packages. He's going to blitz some in the A gap and the B gap. It's not just going to be blitzing off the edge. They are going to find different ways to get him involved. And I think this is a game. When you're playing Russell Wilson – I actually think mixing in an occasional delayed blitz with a safety can be a real weapon for you, especially with how long he holds onto the football, looking for those deep balls down the field. A guy like Jamal Adams, if you can find ways to mix in some regular blitzes and some delayed blitzes, give him a little bit of freedom on when he does that. I think you could get a big quarterback hit or two, maybe a sack mixed in there, maybe two sacks mixed in there when Adams gets going. Because Russell Wilson, his propensity to hold on to the football, Jamal Adams has the athleticism to be able to run after him, chase him down, and bring him down. I think Jamal Adams absolutely is one of the key factors in this football game, how the Seahawks use him, because he can be that spy that can really cause problems for a player like Russell Wilson with his athleticism and his unicorn of skill sets. And frankly, you know, the, the trade value of Russell Wilson versus what the Seahawks gave up to acquire Jamal Adams is a little scarily similar. <laughs> so you want to have Jamal Adams produce and make life miserable for that quarterback that you traded away. And, you know, one of the I think priority number one when Clinton Hurt was was promoted and named defensive coordinator was how are you going to use Jamal Adams? And this is going to be a great, great opportunity, a great first test, because now you're playing against a guy who you gave up or you, you traded away for a King's ransom. Now you use the guy that you paid a King's ransom for to, to make his life miserable. So hopefully that's, that's kind of been, you know, one of the priorities that they've made another one as well, you know, Pete Carroll and that defensive staff have had a front row seat to Russell Wilson and his strengths and his weaknesses. And we've seen, you know, a few like the coverages that can give Russell Wilson fits, you know, the two safety highs some of the cloud kind of coverages that really have, you know, Russell Wilson's always looking for that deep ball, which I said, you know, he's got one of the better ones in the game. But to his detriment, sometimes he tries too hard to wait for those or to look for those and doesn't settle for the underneath or the checkdowns. And if you can if you can maintain that kind of coverage, that's when you can get Russell Wilson in trouble. Yeah, I think schematically, Russell Wilson can get the job done against two deep looks. Let's not act like this is completely his kryptonite, but at the same time, the stats in the film don't lie. He has been rendered much more ineffective when it comes to throwing downfield when teams have been able to mix in cover two, cover four, cover six, sometimes cover seven. I expect the Seahawks will be sprinkling that in, especially out of their sub packages and cloud coverages. 
you've got to do a good job of mixing and matching those. And sometimes you can go into robber, but start off in two deep looks. There's all kinds of different stuff you can do. And that's been one of the themes. How can we disguise? It's not necessarily trying to be tricksters all the time, but you've got to find ways to keep Russell Wilson on his heels. And he's seen everything like Quadre Diggs said Thursday. He's been in the league for 10 years. He's seen every look the Seahawks can throw at him, but you got to mix and match. And I still think you've got to have a fairly heavy reliance on those two deep looks because of Russell Wilson's strength and his propensity for launching that deep ball. That's playing against some of the weaknesses that he has shown over an extended period of time. So I think that is certainly something that the Seahawks need to do in this game. There will be other games where more single high coverages will make sense, but I think this is a game where you do need to have that extra security blanket because of how good at throwing the deep ball Russell Wilson is. Up next, we're going to get to our X factors, what the Seahawks need to win, and our predictions. Who is going to win in tomorrow night's Monday night showdown? at Lumen Field. We're going to get to all those things and more coming up in our final quarter on our Sunday special. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest college football and NFL developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, whether it's MLB, MMA, boxing, or golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Sunday pregame edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for tonight's show, Nick Lee. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We just created a game plan for the Seahawks to beat the Broncos on Monday Night Football. Let's shift gears now, Nick. This is something we started doing a year ago. X factors. Every game, it doesn't matter if it's week one, week eight, the Super Bowl, there's always going to be an X factor on the winning team. And you guess you could say X factors in the negative side on the losing team. But every winner is going to have a player that steps up and proves to be an X factor that's key to that victory. So who is your pick for Seattle's week one X factor? Which player do you tab that's going to have a big game in this game that maybe people aren't necessarily expecting? Well, I'm not sure this is one that they're not expecting, but this is a player I think that can greatly hinge one way or the other how it goes. And that's Jamal Adams. We just mentioned, you know, with just with the effect he can have on the game, he is a true game wrecker if he's being used right. And if he's in, in you know, schematically in the right places at the right times, you know, we saw in 2020, he made some enormous Enormous plays for the Seahawks all over the field. And last year, generally ineffective when healthy. This year, this the, in this game, you know, like like we mentioned, he's I think he's a great matchup to 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 uh limit Russell Wilson, to to spy on him if need be, um, rush the passer, that those kind of things. But again, if he's ineffective, if if it's looking a lot like 2021 with Jamal Adams, you know, that's that's where Russell Wilson can really hurt you and the defense is is exposed. And is not as effective and is and and on their heels when Jamal Adams is not being used right. So um, that's that's why I think that Jamal Adams is, is the X factor because if he's on, it's it's going to be a huge boost to that defense and 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 kind of maybe an equalizer to how good Russell Wilson is. And if he's bad, if he looks like like, like twenty one, either you know ineffective or disappears, it's going to be a long night for the Seahawks defense. 
Yeah, you went with the big name. I'm going to go with somebody that should be a bigger name based on his production the last four or five years with the Denver Broncos. I'm going outside the box a little bit here. Everybody's talking Russell Wilson coming back to Seattle as they should, but he's not the only player where this is technically a revenge game. The Seahawks got a few veterans back as part of that blockbuster deal. Shelby Harris has been one of the most underrated defensive tackles in the NFL for a better part of half a decade. And he had kind of a slow start to his career, bounced around with a number of teams. He found a home in Denver. He's a great fit for the 3-4 defense, the Fangio-style defense the Seahawks are going to be playing this year much of the time. And he played for Fangio in Denver the last three years, excelled as a three-tack, four-eye technique rusher. He can defend the run. He gets his hand on the football, had a bunch of pass breakups in the line of scrimmage. Russell Wilson with his height. When you have a defensive tackle that can do that, get his big paws up and swat the football away, one of those might pop up and land in one of his teammates' hands for a key interception. I just have a feeling that Shelby Harris going up against his former team, no hard feelings for being involved in that trade, but he wants to show them, hey, this is what you're missing on your defensive line, and I'm still a force to reckon with a defensive line. I just have a feeling that Shelby Harris is going to make a few big plays in this football game in the trenches that are going to help the Seahawks on defense and keep this game close. Really underrated player that's going to be a nice asset in this defense, and I think he's looking forward to the chance to play against his former team and play at a high level. Yeah, I like it. I mean, he's uh, pro football focus has him at 32 pressures last year, um, plenty of disruption up the middle, and like you like 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 it's been said with Russell Wilson, you know, some of that interior rush could be a big factor and you got if you got Shelby Harris humming along with Jamal Adams might be some raised eyebrows come Monday night we'll see all right to our big question of the day here we got our x factors nick for the Seattle Seahawks to win this football game what must happen the Seahawks will win this game if i'll throw out two numbers uh or two stats i should say and this is usually where i go for a team that Maybe it isn't this crazy, hugely, you know, like Alabama versus, you know, Western Carolina kind of underdog. But, you know, NFL, good NFL size underdog. And that's be plus two in the turnover margin and rush for at least 150 yards. And being plus two, you know, that's two extra possessions. And, and when you're battling Russell Wilson and what we assume to be an explosive offense for the Broncos, stealing two possessions away would be huge or plus or being, you know, plus two in that category where it's, you know, one turnover for you, three for them, that kind of thing, however it goes. And then 150 yards uh, on the ground. That's, again, like I mentioned, controlling the clock, staying on schedule, and keeping Russell Wilson on the sidelines, long sustained drives. You know, 150 yards chopped out like that could do that and and really swing the game in your favor, at least keep the Broncos somewhat off rhythm. And the Seahawks were 3-1 and one last year when they reached the 150-yard rushing threshold. So, that seems it's a bit of a bar there to reach for to, to really put the Seahawks in the driver's seat. You mentioned two numbers. I'm going to mention one number. If the Seahawks are going to win this game, they need to convert two red zone trips minimum into touchdowns, and they need to create at least two turnovers. So you and I are in agreement on that turnover margin. I think the Seahawks need to create at least two to win this football game. And most importantly, they have to finish drives. You are not going to win this game if you are kicking a bunch of field goals or you're ending up just short of field goal range and then you got a punt from your 
45 yard line or whatever. They need to finish drives, sustain them. And when they get in the red zone, you need to turn some of those opportunities as many as you can into six points. If you're stuck kicking field goals down there, you are not going to beat Russell Wilson. You're going to need a few turnovers to help aid your cause playing a superior football team. I think the Seahawks can certainly win this one, but they're going to need to create those turnovers and they need to be efficient on third down and most importantly in the red zone. All right, last but not least, we've talked X factors. We've talked game planning, the main key to victory. Now the real question, who is going to win this football game? Week one, Monday night football, Seahawks hosting the Broncos and Russell Wilson, Nick, do the Seahawks pull the upset, or does Russell Wilson leave the Pacific Northwest happy with his 58th win at Lumen Field? Man, oh, well, I'm going to say this, and it, it's not an indictment on the fans. I'm sure the fans are going to bring it, and you know, Lumen Field is going to be sparkling under Monday night. It always is. It's a great atmosphere. Unfortunately, I just think, um, like what we mentioned with the red zone trips turning three into seven points, Unfortunately, you know, with with how each both of these teams last year were very good at red zone defense. I think they were third and fourth, respectfully. I don't remember exactly the order, but they were very both teams top five in red zone efficiency on defense. So really, gonna it'll come down to who bends but doesn't break. Uh, you know, who who breaks less often on defense in the red zone, and who can force the field goals. And unfortunately, I, I can see the Seahawks, you know, having a field goal fest, and you know, Jason Myers kick, um, adding up some fantasy points. But unfortunately, um, that's not going to cut it against Russell Wilson and that kind of offense that they have in Denver. I'm going to go 30 to 16 Broncos. I, I just think I know I know it's a big score, um, but I, I just I, I think they're a bit outgunned. And I think, you know, that we're Russell Wilson, you know, he's he's no dummy. This is a revenge game for him, too. He's going to be uber motivated. Now, we all hope, of course, that turns into him making some maybe mental mistakes, you know, getting out of his game just because he's trying to prove himself so much. But. You know, we've seen that mental edge he can have on, on in games, and I think he's going to take this somewhat personally. And um, unfortunately, he might take it out on the Seahawks. I just think they're a bit outgunned. You know, it's the first game for Geno Smith as the starter, you know, week one. So and I, I see this as a, a bit, you know, I'm not saying it's, you know, 30 to 7 until the Seahawks. I'd say, you know, 23 to 16 of the Seahawks are kind of mucking it up, and the Broncos maybe get a late touchdown to make it a bit more comfortable. But I, I do think the Seahawks – will at least start out competitive. I think this is going to be a very close game. I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. I just get the feeling that, especially with it being week one, Russell Wilson is going to be motivated, but you know Pete Carroll is going to be motivated. And you know that several Seattle's defensive players like Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams, they're going to want to make a statement that this football team can still be competitive even without Russell Wilson. We want to prove that we're ready to rise back to the ranks of being a top 10 defense. You got guys like DK Metcalf on offense are going to be like, we can still win with Geno Smith. I just have a feeling that this is going to be a back-and-forth, low-scoring game. Broncos' first game with Russell Wilson at the helm. I think there's going to be some mistakes that are made because of that. Maybe down the road this offense is going to be really potent, but I just have a feeling this is going to be a very defensive game in Week 1, but I just don't think the Seahawks can pull it off. I think it's 23-20. to I think a late field goal ends up clinching it. I think this is going to be a back-and-forth affair. I think both defenses are going to come up with some clutch plays, getting sacks, getting turnovers. There's going to be some miscues. I just think the Seahawks are going to make a few too many of them not be quite efficient enough offensively 
to pull it off. But I expect this to be a very competitive, very close game. It's got a chance to be a Monday night classic in what is one of the most anticipated openers in recent memory, just with the storyline of Russell Wilson coming back to town. I think Wilson leaves the victory. But unlike you, I'm seeing this being a much more back-and-forth affair that's going to go down to the wire just because I think Pete Carroll, that's what he expects, that's what the Seahawks team expects. And I just think it's going to be one of those week one games is weird where the team that's the big underdog is going to keep it close. We'll see what ends up happening. We're all excited about it. The football season finally here. It's a game that everybody's been chatting about ever since the schedules came out back in May. Russell Wilson back in his old stopping grounds going against the Seattle Seahawks as the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Can they spoil his homecoming, or does Russell Wilson get another win in the Pacific Northwest? We will find out tomorrow night. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee. 51. You can check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow night after the conclusion of Seahawks Broncos, I will be hosting a post-game show. Going to hand out the game balls, key takeaways, turning points, and much more. You won't want to miss it. That will be coming shortly after the conclusion of tomorrow night's game. Enjoy the season opener. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.